0: This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience, which we are all about here on The Treatment Room. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon or spa in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to glossgenius.com slash sign up and enter code TTRSPRING or check the show notes for details. Now let's get back to the show. Hello guys, welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast with your host, me, Tessa Zolli, licensed esthetician and acne specialist. So I just came from recording a different podcast, which was so much fun and I wanted to give them a shout out. Thank you, Rachel and Alita for inviting me on the Skin Club Podcast. It was so much fun. I definitely had imposter syndrome being interviewed, but just thank you girls so much for having me. And it was such an honor and so much fun. I definitely feel like it was a little bit of a spaz, but what's new? And just thank you girls for having me on. Please go have a listen to that episode and subscribe to their podcast. I think it's just good to expose yourself to new ideas, new estheticians, and learn from everybody. So that was that. And I also wanted to say we did have a little break from the acne content last week. I just get paranoid that I'm talking about a subject too much or I don't know that people get sick of it. So I did take a little break last week to bring you an episode on Instagram, social media, and how to use Canva with my good friend, Alyssa Brock is always a good time. <laughs> so if you're starting to feel like Instagram is becoming a chore or social media is becoming stressful and it's taking away from your actual job as an esthetician, or you're just, maybe you're just a business owner and you want to learn how you can create more content at scale without exhausting yourself. <laughs> that is a really, really good episode. And I know I learned a lot. I will be using some of Alyssa's tips and trying these things she mentioned. So make sure you go check that episode out. And then my last little thing I wanted to say is that this will be episode three in my acne series. So we had episode, I think it was episode 90, if I'm not mistaken, the ABCOs of acne, which is kind of the foundational episode. for the the other acne episodes to come. So I highly suggest you listen to that one first so you can understand what's really creating this impaction. And once you understand that, I think the lifestyle factors will make... Even more sense because you'll understand at the root of acne what is going on. The reason these lifestyle factors that we talked about in the second episode and that we'll be continuing with today, the reason they worsen acne is because they affect one or more of those four things. It either affects androgens, it affects bacteria, it affects skin cell buildup, or it affects oil. So, we're going to continue with that conversation and I hope I just deliver this as smoothly as possible because it is <laughs> getting late and I want to have an episode for tomorrow. So, let's kick things off starting with the first factor on my list, which is industrial factors. Now, I feel like this is a pretty niche a niche category, but For the clients where it is a factor, like it's a really big deal. So it may not be something that affects all of your clients. I'm not just talking about pollution. I'm more so talking about people who work in an environment where they are exposed to industrial chemicals and oils. So the reason these are problematic is they can be highly comedogenic or they can be irritants and this can aggravate a pre-existing acne condition. So let's talk about a few of the substances that can be linked to acne. We know hydrochloric acid, tar, chlorine, or dioxin are big substances to consider. Dioxin is the most potent acne-genic ingredient that we know of, which is kind of crazy, and I didn't know what dioxin was, so I had to look it up, and it says, dioxin is formed by burning chlorine-based chemical compounds with hydrocarbons. The major source of dioxin in the environment comes from waste-burning incinerators of various sorts, and also from backyard burn barrels. So, I don't know if somebody worked in an environment where they were exposed to that it would be very bad and I don't know all the jobs where that is a consideration but I will say I have had clients that are mechanical engineers they're on job sites or I've even had a welder client which was really cool But we really saw a strong link between when they were out in the field, when they were exposed to these types of chemicals and irritants, and their acne breakouts. So it's it's something to consider for any clients who might be in that type of environment. And kind of cool side note, I'm seeing more women and more clients in that field. And most of my clients are female, but it's something to just know about. And another good reason to ask your clients, sorry, I have an itch (laughs) on my forearm. Um, Another good reason to just get to know your clients at the bare minimum, minimum, ask them what they do for a living, what they do for work. Are they at a desk all day or are they on a job site? Do they work in a field? These are really important questions to get to know about your clients. So We also know one of the chemicals that I mentioned, chlorine, is really important to consider. There is something called chloracne, which I had never heard of, but apparently it is a thing. And now it's summertime, our clients might be exposed to more chlorine if they're swimming in pools I think that's probably the main situation where you'd be exposed to chlorine. I could be wrong, but I do have a little tip to share. You can take an occlusive, and this isn't obviously ideal for acne, but it is better than exposing your clients to the substance itself, such as chlorine. So what I suggest is taking a little balm. It could be aquaphor. I like to use cell balm because... It has so many healing and beneficial ingredients. It's not just the occlusive. You're also sealing in all of those benefits. So I like to recommend they take about a pea size or smaller amount of cell balm and just apply it all over the face and neck. That way they have a little seal between the chlorine and their skin. The next factor I want to talk about is nutrition and the links that we know of from the research and from the data that show a clear link between acne and the nutrition trigger. I will give a little disclaimer. I'm always probably oversensitive, but I would always rather be that way. If you are in a place where you're feeling restrictive or like you can't handle more conversation around food and things to avoid, I'll leave a little timestamp in the Show notes so you can skip ahead to these other factors we're going to be talking about. I also wanted to say I'll be doing an episode with Jan Marini talking more about nutrition and acne as far as what she has seen from the research as a skin researcher as it relates to diet. And then I'll also say I have a full episode on nutrition, acne triggers. That's more in depth about each one, but I'll just give a little brief summary here. So the main food we know to be connected with acne is high iodine food. So when we think high iodine, I think salty foods is what comes to mind for a lot of people. So Some of these foods are very salty food. You know, your junk food, packaged chips, crackers that have a high iodized salt content. That's really something to consider with acne. How much salt or snack food, processed food, junk foods are in the diet. And another tip I have is to be cautious with iodized salt so I think the classic example is like the Morton's salt that a lot of us just have in our pantry we use large quantities of it to bake or to cook it is more cost efficient I think than a Himalayan salt for example but if you are an acne sufferer I would make the swap for Himalayan salt I think it's so worth it. Some other foods to consider aside from salt itself is milk. One of the reasons we know is that iodines have been traced to cattle salt blocks, kind of crazy, in addition to hormone-infected cows for dairy products. And dairy, it does include yogurt, of course, milk, coffee creamers, even certain protein bars or protein powders. Milk can be in a lot of different food Products, especially processed foods, I'm always kind of shocked because I do avoid dairy myself. So I do look at the labels of the food we buy and most of it ends up being a no because I've just struggled with acne for too many years where to me, I'm really happy with my alternatives and my substitutes. It doesn't feel restrictive to me to avoid dairy. Again, that's just me personally. And and this may vary for your client. Everyone is on a different journey. But I kind of find fun in <laughs> finding my dairy-free alternatives. And that is kind of a positive spin on it. I think making... Uh, making a lifestyle modification more positive is just more fun for everyone. So maybe even inviting your client to explore some new dairy-free cheeses at Trader Joe's or finding a new dairy-free yogurt or ice cream can be a great bridge between them making a lifestyle change. So it doesn't feel like, oh no, I'm cutting out all my favorite things. I can't have pizza. I can't have ice cream. Instead of, I can't have, replacing it with a little fun experiment of finding some new gems as far as dairy-free alternatives. If that is, you know, the route your client wants to take and the route they are comfortable taking. I just find it can be really difficult to reach total clearing if somebody is constantly ingesting dairy products even if it is a low level of dairy such as just you know cheese on their salads or eggs or just every morning with coffee I find even a low level can be fueled to the acne flame so if somebody's open to removing it I think that's easier just because there can be so many factors with acne that are out of our control if there are certain ones we can use to our benefit. I think it can be a big asset, especially if somebody's investing in professional treatments and professional home care. And one thing I find is if somebody is still consuming these acne trigger foods and is starting a new routine with all professional products, exfoliants, different acids, ingredients that are going to increase cell turnover, maybe a retinol. I just find the purge can be worse. That's kind of observational and anecdotal, but it's just what I've noticed. So if we can get somebody to a more balanced place with their lifestyle choices before introducing those products, that's what I like to do. It feels (laughs) like a little bit of insurance for the client and for me. Next on the list is beef liver, very interesting apparently high in iodides. I was actually taking beef liver for maybe a week and I didn't notice anything crazy, but you know, it's interesting because I have seen certain health professionals say it's a an alternative to a multivitamin, which we know multivitamins can be very acne triggering. I'll get into those in a second here. But I find beef liver is often proposed as nature's vitamin or a way around taking an excess of all these vitamins you don't need. But again, if you're on an acne clearing journey, you might want to reconsider beef liver. Next is junk food. No way around this one. We just know the standard American diet Having a lot of fast food is typically a diet that is high in sodium iodides. And then, next, as promised, multivitamins. So, one thing I do notice is sometimes, not to say always, but in certain instances, people who are taking a lot of supplements or even seeing a health professional and who are on a regimen with a lot of supplements, oftentimes those are the people with a more exacerbated acne condition. And that was me. And I just look back, I was in my late 20s when I started seeing a naturopath and it, it wasn't anything that she was intentionally doing wrong or was malicious. It just goes to show you can be an expert in one area of health, but maybe not an expert in skin, you know? So that's one thing to consider is vitamins. When when my acne was really at its peak, I was on a full regimen of vitamins to kill a viral infection, to help with my thyroid, more vitamins because I had mentioned acne. So I was just Given even more, I had like a full box of vitamins that I was taking and my acne was worse than ever. The naturopath also recommended that I get B12 shots because I was dealing with a lot of fatigue and immune system dysregulation. So I was getting weekly B12 shots. And this is the point in time where I look back and the acne was exploding. Like it was multiplying. And knowing what I know now about B12, it's just like, I wish I knew better. I wish I I had just been more cautious and I feel protective over younger people who probably feel like they're doing the right thing by seeing a a health professional. So, and it's just a a word of caution. It's not to say all people who recommend supplements are bad or all naturopaths are bad. It's just something I noticed for me. I was over prescribed supplements. And now I have a very conservative, cautious approach to supplements. The best thing, and I had a doctor on the podcast Uh, maybe a year ago. And she, Dr. Sunita, this was the first time I'd ever heard a health professional say this. She said, I'm I'm careful with vitamins. I don't think people should be taking them or prescribing them for themselves unless they have done their blood work and they truly know what they're deficient in. And I stand by that 100%. That's always resonated with me. And I feel the same way. It's really best to see where your levels are at before just taking a slew of vitamins because your friend is using them or your favorite influencer. So as far as multivitamins and why they can be an acne trigger is health food and supermarkets sell mainly kelp-coated iodine-laced vitamins. These should be avoided and the client or the patient should only be taking professionally prescribed multivitamins aka what I just mentioned about needing to test your levels to see where you're at and what you need. For me the only things I personally take are iron that I know I'm deficient in a probiotic and magnesium because I am deficient in magnesium and iron, and because I had to take antibiotics, and I I personally do believe in a probiotic, but just know more supplements doesn't equal more health. Next on the list is commercially baked bread. A little bit interesting, but this is a sneaky offender because breads are produced with dough conditioners that are high in iodides. I think there could be nuances to this. And you know, I still have some bread in my life. I like to get a fresh made gluten-free sourdough from my farmer's market, but just like skincare labels, really keeping in mind a longer ingredient deck might indicate the food is more processed. And with that can, comp- can come more additives, more salt, So that is something to consider. And I'm going to talk more about a high glycemic diet with Jan Marini in our episode to come. I hope you guys are excited about that one. But we're going to talk more about how the glycemic load can impact acne. Last on my list is hormone-influenced foods. So we talked about in that first episode androgens and how they are a main driver of acne. So when it comes to foods, none of these foods cause acne. Really, it's those factors we talked about, the androgens, bacteria, skin cells, and oil that are at the root of acne. That is why in the follicle, we have that impaction. But certain foods can influence our androgens. So certain foods can have a testosterone-like effect on the body, such as peanuts or peanut oil. These are a high androgen food and a high oil food that can stimulate sebaceous glands similar to the way hormones do. And... I just, peanuts are another one. Really looking back on my acne journey, it's funny because I loved peanut butter so much. It became a running joke with my best friend that by, by the time the night was over in college, when we woke up in the morning, there was always a jar of peanut butter on the bedside table. And that was like our go-to snack And it was my go-to snack when I worked in spas, funny enough. I would get home, you'd be exhausted. You don't feel like making anything crazy. I'd always eat dinner, but I'd want a snack because facials are a lot of movement, require a lot of energy. So my little snack would be bananas and peanut butter, or just if I was really tired, just scooping peanut butter from the jar, like lots of spoonfuls and there were days i would wake up and it was it was pretty instantaneous the next day within 24 hours i would have a family of breakouts on my cheeks so peanuts are one i really consider to be up there with dairy additional suspected offenders when it comes to hormone influence substances include swimming pool disinfectants douches, or industrial disinfectants. Next on my list of factors is understanding that different drugs and different prescriptions or even just recreational drugs can have an impact on acne. And I'll also say, like all of these factors, of course, this is so bio-individual, These are potential side effects. It doesn't mean if you are taking something on this list, it's bad. You should stop taking it. Actually, I would say the opposite of that. Please talk to your doctor. And I'm just hopeful that this is just sharing awareness about potential side effects of any drugs you or your clients are taking. And if you are nervous a medication could be triggering your acne. Usually a PDR or the label on your medication will talk about a side effect being acne. So usually it is listed. I do feel like, of course, Course, we don't know everything. We haven't, how could we possibly have research on absolutely everything in every human? So I feel like there could be nuances, but we will go over some of the medications that can affect acne. So, first on my list is lithium. So, lithium is often prescribed for bipolar disorder, and it can be a true cause of acne. And it is known that it can be very hard to clear patients while they are taking this medication. So that is something to consider. Next, we have thyroid medications. And this is a prime example because I am on thyroid medications. These are known to have high level of iodides, which will aggravate acne, or so they say. It's listed as a side effect. My levels have gone up and down. I've taken different levels of prescriptions. Right now, I'm not currently breaking out, and maybe this gives somebody else hope if your acne is being properly managed If you are interrupting the process in that follicle, if you are treating the acne, there is definitely hope. So none of these prescriptions are a death sentence, but thyroid medications can be one. And I I do see oftentimes those with thyroid conditions having more breakouts. I've also learned that a thyroid condition can make our cell turnover a little bit more sluggish so that's kind of interesting next is testosterone kind of an obvious one this is a hormonal medication that aggravates acne it would take somebody longer to clear likely if they were experiencing breakouts from taking testosterone next is progesterone another hormonal medication that aggravates acne Again, it will take longer to clear somebody who is taking progesterone. Next is androstenedione. Never heard of this, but it is a hormonal medication that aggravates acne. Next, another hormonal medication, gonadotrophin. Hormonal medication for pituitary disorder, known testosterone stimulator. There is a slew of many medications. Another one I'll share is corticosteroids. I've seen this in a lot of literature. This treats asthma and lung diseases, but it is known to stimulate sebum production. So the common threads here are it's either affecting hormones or affecting our skin cell production or our oil production. Those fundamental things we talked about in that first acne episode. There's a few more that I feel like are are relevant. Marijuana, probably more common than a a lot of these and very popular here in California. Interesting enough, marijuana raises then lowers testosterone levels. I wonder if you This is something that people are going to click with or say, I noticed more breakouts when I started (laughs) taking edibles or smoking marijuana. Interesting. I never knew it had an impact on hormones. I will also say, just mention vaping, even though it wasn't on my traditional list. I see a big impact of vaping, and my presumption is it's affecting oxygen levels, which would create an environment that was more conducive to acne. But let's look it up. Vaping and acne. Let's see if we can find any legitimate sources. Interesting. Propylene glycol from e-cigarettes can dry out your mouth and throat. It's possible that it could also dry your skin and trigger acne breakouts. So this is kind of the opposite of a lot of these medications, but we do know when the skin gets dehydrated, that's when our sebum starts to overproduce and that can easily clog pores and lead to acne. Last is cocaine and speed. This raises cortisol levels, which can aggravate acne. So moral of the story Check the side effects or if you do engage in recreational drug use, research it a little bit further. I just find when I'm getting to know clients and these are, these can be, you know, difficult questions to ask. So it might be something you include on your intake form, and that way you can do more research if something does pop up. Okay, switching gears, I wanted to talk a little bit about some hormonal changes that can impact acne. So next is our menstrual cycle. And this is very specific, but generally on the 18th day of the cycle or 10 days before the onset of menstruation, this is when predisposed individuals will experience more acne flare-ups. So that might be worth, you know, asking your clients to make a note. Which day of their cycle do they notice more breakouts occurring? Even mature women in their 50s who have not passed menopause acknowledge that this can be a problem. And really, anytime there's hormonal fluctuations, this is when acne can be exacerbated. And on top of that, of course, when we're on our cycles We often crave more fast food, more salty foods, so just know that these types of cravings or high intake of these foods can also affect acne. Next on the list is pregnancy. So it is known pregnancy can impact acne. Typically, this happens in the first trimester. And during the second and third trimester is when the body gets flooded with estrogen, which is a good thing for acne. This reduces sebum flow and can last up to 90 days after the baby is born. So that's three months after the baby is born. You might be in the clear for a little bit. Then we know another hormonal shift can take place after this time which can complicate things because the oil glands have been suppressed and then they get stimulated. On top of this, of course, new moms are undergoing a big lifestyle change, which can be stressful. They might not be getting as much sleep. Maybe they're eating a little bit differently or just eating foods that somebody feels like is convenient or salty foods that somebody might crave. All of these things can lead to acne flare-ups. Next, we got to talk about birth control pills. Often these are really instrumental in either clearing somebody's acne or just really worsening a condition. And Alyssa was on for an episode where she talked about her acne journey, something she said that really stuck with me was to research birth control just as much as you research acne or spironolactone or other medications that are used to treat acne. I just feel like we're learning so much more now about how birth control affects us, but there was a time where we just did not question it. So I think more knowledge, more education is empowering for women. So let's talk a little bit about birth control. I mentioned some pills can totally clear acne. Others can really worsen it. So why does that happen? So typically if a patient is on a male hormone dominant contraceptive, this is typically what worsens acne because it is stimulating for sebum if the patient is taking a female hormone dominant pill this is when acne might clear up and you might be wondering okay why do we even have the male dominant birth controls why not just put everyone on a high estrogen birth control Reason being androgen-dominant pills with the male hormone, testosterone, is usually considered safer by OBGYNs due to fewer side effects such as migraine headaches, blood clotting, and cardiovascular problems. For acne-prone women, these birth control pills often result in acne flare-ups by, again, stimulating greater production of sebum. So more oily skin often equals more acne breakouts. And then on the other hand, with the estrogen-dominant pills, obviously this really floods the body with that hormone, and the female-dominant hormone is actually helpful for suppressing sebaceous activity. So that's why if somebody's not producing as much oil, they might notice their acne starts to clear up. Some brands that are lower in estrogen that might not be a fit for somebody who's acne prone would be brands like Overall, Low Overall, Norinol, Norlestrin, or Lestrin. And remember, if if you can't remember all these names or you want to be sure, you can Google high estrogen, low androgen birth control pill or look at the different options, look into the birth control and find out is it high in estrogen, low in the male form. Next on my list is laundry. (laughs) Laundry is a topic I go over with every single client. And starting day one of working together, I want to ensure that they do not have a few things going on in their routine. I don't want anyone using traditional Thai detergent that has all of the (laughs) perfume and acne triggering ingredients in that detergent. So I prefer my clients get on a free and clear detergent and absolutely no dryer sheets. So the reason dryer sheets can be a problem is because of their waxy residue, which can be coated on pillowcases, towels, washcloths, and then linger on your skin. So a safer option would be something like wool balls, and you can get those lots of places. Target, oftentimes your grocery store has them. So laundry detergent, small detail, but something to definitely consider. And I am (laughs) more encouraging that my clients switch out their pillowcases and towels frequently especially if somebody is kind of in the height of an acne condition. I know there's a lot of things to consider, but I do prefer my client uses a clean washcloth to pat their face dry or just disposable cotton rounds or a ski, skin, what's it called? Clean skin club <laughs> towel. I do have a discount code with them. I'll put it in the show notes. People love them because they're so soft, eco-friendly, eco-friendly easy to use a clean towel each time instead of needing to wash your towel so that's kind of cool and we'll finish off with cosmetics so acne cosmetica affects about a third of adult Americans which is one reason I'm always very I'd say outspoken about just being careful with makeup products because most people I'd say don't consider that when they're picking out a makeup and neither do the a lot of the brands. I think it's getting better and we're seeing a trend of more skin focused makeup brands, but I'd say most of the conventional brands are focused on giving the customer a long wearing formula that is transfer proof, that's going to stay on the skin a long time. With that can mean more clogging or just a formula that's really cosmetically elegant. And this might mean it has a lot of emollient ingredients. It's very, it's like spreads easy on the skin and it's not streaky. It might be oil heavy. So that's something to consider. And I will say comedogenic ingredients, it's, it's kind of a tricky term because it's, not a regulated term. Anyone can really put that on their label. I do use it myself when I'm marketing my products, but I think there are differences. Obviously, there are companies who want to be responsible or professional companies who are working on acneic skins all the time. So it has to be, you know, safe for acne prone skin types. And then there are people who might abuse that phrasing. And the other thing to remember with the comedogenic scale, it's a sliding scale. It's not black and white. So what's not at all clogging for one person could be a big problem for somebody else. And something I have learned in coming out with my own products and going through that process is that you might want to consider whether a brand does testing on animals, not just for ethical reasons. That's huge to me and I only work with with brands who do not test on animals. But another reason is that many brands judge a product's comedogenic rating by testing on the backs of bunnies ears. That's why the cruelty-free symbol exists. There's a lot of testing done on bunnies and their ears, but another reason that's not a good idea is because human skin, human sebum is obviously so different from a bunny's ears. So if you're looking for a brand or if you find a brand that is cruelty-free. That does not test on animals, and that does all their testing on humans, which is the case for free skin, of course. It's a much more accurate understanding of the word non-comedogenic because it's truly been tested on humans, and my products are tested in clinical trials with estheticians, with acne-prone people. So It's not just approved for the general population, but for these more problematic skin types. So that's something to note. And then lastly, the word oil-free. It means no animal, vegetable, or mineral. It's not always an indication of whether something is going to break you out. And I remember that really was something I tried to look for. I tried to look for oil-free products when I was going through my acne journey. And it's not always an indicator that something's acne safe. Lastly, water-based means more than 50% non-oily ingredients. I feel like that was a big, I don't want to call anyone out, but you know, those drugstore foundation brands, I feel like a lot of them really honed in on the water-based formula thing, especially like growing up in the 90s and the 2000s. It's tricky when it comes to makeup. The FDA also classifies synthetic oils as fatty acids. So oil-free claims can be made even with something is incredibly rich and potentially clogging. It's tough if somebody wants to buy conventional makeup or makeup from the drugstore and just make a decision based on the ingredient deck. It's really tricky. That ingredient deck is like a recipe. And just two ingredients their location next to each other can affect the concentration and how clogging something is even as some who has studied formulation and learned a lot about cosmetic ingredients, it's difficult to know if a formula is going to break you out or not. So my advice is to look for makeup brands that are sold by licensed skin professionals. Typically, these professionals have a higher stake in your results because it's not like you're just buying something from us and never seeing us again i mean you might if you're just shopping online but typically we're selling to our clients these are people who you know we're a little protective of their skin we kind of want them to look good we care about those before and afters and we care about their results because it's a direct representation of our business so typically if you're buying makeup from a skin professional I think it's been tested tested in a, a setting where the stakes are a little bit higher. Estheticians care about our business. We care about every single thing our clients put on their skin, and we don't want to give them anything that is going to take away from our results. So, I am a big believer in mineral makeup, makeup that is going to protect the skin, that's not going to clog the skin, that's going to provide kind of like an extra shield between environmental factors in in the skin or the sun in the skin. So brands like Color Science, brands like what else? Skin Better Science makes a beautiful compact I know there's more out there. I'm just blanking on the names. But if anybody is interested in trying some acne safe makeup, you can always message me on Instagram at my Again, I just think it's a safer way to go. And I've seen better results for my clients and myself going the mineral makeup route. My acne was just thinking back on when things were really at its peak. There were a lot of factors at play. I was taking a ton of vitamins. I was eating a lot of these acne triggering foods. It was stressful to start a new career. And something that I've also realized is I was getting heavy into makeup. This is the time I started to idolize Jacqueline Hill, Desi Perkins. This was like peak YouTube. And I thought I was going to (laughs) be like a makeup vlogger. I loved makeup. I had worked in PR in makeup at a certain point, and I hadn't quite ventured into skincare yet. But I started to play with all these cream blushes and bronzers and highlighters and primers. And typically the goal of these makeups, especially primers, the goal is to fill in your pores. So just imagine over time how that can build up in the follicle. This concludes today's episode on factors that can worsen acne. I hope you enjoyed it and took some things away from it. Please let me know what you thought tag me in your stories on social media. It always makes my day. I'm at my SD Tessa on Instagram and TikTok. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you next week.